Have you been dreaming about paying off credit card debt, installing solar panels, going to college, or even buying a plane? Yes, someone really did that. With a figure HELOC, your home can help you cover vacations, medical bills, retirement, wedding expenses, home improvement, emergencies, or a pool. The opportunities are endless. Unlock up to $400,000 and choose the fastest HELOC on the planet at figure.com. Faster than a bank loan, cheaper than a personal loan. Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly for July 19th, 2023. My name is Barry McBride. I'm the publisher and the tame web dork of the OBR. And back with me tonight, per usual, adding any actual insight and intelligence to the program, is Browns beat writer and guru extraordinaire, Fred the Legend. Greetham. How's it going, Fred? It's going pretty good. Sunny well, that's day, midsummer. Summer coming to a close quickly, though. Yeah, yeah. It, and football season is uh, coming upon us very, very quickly. Uh, it snuck up on us uh, while we weren't looking, while we were out grilling steaks or whatever. And it is upon us now. Uh, and uh, we actually have news to talk about today. But uh, as uh, always... Uh, this show is powered by your questions and your comments in the chat room, uh, without which uh, Fred and I are left to sit here and hum show tunes or whatever. I don't know what we would do without your comments and questions. Um, but uh, we'll do something. We'll do something. Uh, but please hit us up with comments and questions uh, and so that we have something useful to discuss. Really would appreciate it. And if you're on YouTube, please hit that thumbs up button. Uh, to uh, help us fool the insane Google algorithm into uh, convincing other Browns fans to join us on this program uh, so that they can be rewarded with uh, Fred's insight and intelligence. Uh, so, speaking of which, Fred, I would like to uh, talk to you about two topics um, before we get to the question. Uh, before we get to the questions. Uh, first topic, of course, is the news from earlier today about Perry and Winfrey. Uh, the Browns had decided, I guess, that they wanted to put the accountable back in their tough, smart, and accountable mantra. They quickly dumped 2022 uh, fourth-round pick Perry and Winfrey after he was involved in another off-field incident this morning. It was revealed this morning. I'm not sure exactly when the incident was. Without getting into the particulars of the incident... This one, again, involved the police, and the Browns apparently had had enough. Um, so he was waived. Uh, you know, he can't be cut. He has to go through waivers because he's not. He's still in just his second year of his contract. Um, and uh, according to Jack Duffin, that means he can't be cut and signed with whoever. It means he has to go through the waiver system, and anyone crazy enough to take a chance on him at this point uh, can do so. Uh, at any rate, this is. Uh, do you think the Browns are turning over a new leaf when it comes to accountability, or is Winfrey a special case? Because they haven't really held people all that accountable over the last couple of years. Well, I, I think that if you're going to do that, this is the time to do it right at the onset of training camp. And so you've, you've set the tone. This is a new year this is a new season and um i thought maybe they would let him go when he was out at 3 30 in the morning even though he was the one that got robbed um but he was with greg newsom and and maybe another guy and so i don't know i think that obviously they know more particulars than we do i i cannot believe that they totally did this just on a post you know somebody did a social media post and made an accusation they had video from from what i saw but um yeah i just think they're like you know this is sending the wrong message whatever and uh you know when you look at the nba one of their star players was videoed with you know a firearm in his possession i think they jumped on him big time Mm -hmm. suspension and so i'm sure that might have had something to do with it as well so i don't know really everything but the browns are not 
waiting for the process, so to say, to play out. And, you know, obviously the young man's got talent. Last year there was situations where he was suspended. He was, you know, a lot of different things, you know, that I don't think necessarily were big. But there's a lot of smoke, you know, around this guy. And, and I think they just decided, you know, it's not worth it. We've seen this in the past with guys like Josh Gordon, you know, probably had way more talent and they were able to put up with a little bit more. I've said it on here. I don't think Jim Schwartz is going to put up with any shenanigans. He doesn't make the final say, but I would have thought he might have had some input in this. But I think ultimately Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski just said, you know, enough's enough. And this is a prime time to send a message to this team as we go to West Virginia we are not going to put up with this stuff. And if we're going to be accountable or whatever your mantra is, you got to hold guys to it. You can't say a two-tiered system, one, you know, for one guy and, and nothing for another guy. Same for all. So we'll see. But I think he was on thin ice. And, again, he's not learning his lesson. You know, he's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like the first time I've, heard of two, three, four incidents that I know of, and I'm not privileged to everything. So right. there's a reason he went in the fourth round, too. I mean, everybody he was the MVP at the senior ball, and you thought, wow, this guy, you know, I remember I, I was thinking they maybe they could get him in the second round, and then, you know, he was still there in the fourth round. They got him in the fourth round. He thought, wow, what a steal. Well, there's probably a reason he was still available. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. And it had to be some significance because I think that's only the third draft pick that Andrew Barry has let go, mm-hmm. which will account. And I think he had some, maybe some situations as well, and now Winfrey. So, you know, there you go. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it hasn't been easy for uh, Cleveland Browns draft picks under Andrew Barry to get themselves cut, but uh, Perry and Winfrey managed to do it in record time. Uh, despite being a fourth-round pick, despite all of his, you know, obvious talent at uh, defensive tackle. And uh, at this point, you know, from a coach's perspective, you can't have one set of standards for 52 players and a different set of standards for one player. And it seems like they learned that lesson last year with Jadavian Clowney as well. Um, Maybe they've learned it with regard to Miles Garrett who was uh, treated with kid gloves uh, when it came to uh, film room criticism, supposedly, reportedly. Uh, and, you know, like you said, Schwartz doesn't seem like a guy who would put up with a lot of that nonsense. Uh, and, you know, will treat, you know, players sort of equally. Uh, a couple of questions that we have related to this from chat username. He asks, does waving cost the, Brown, cost the Browns money and a related question is, are there code of conduct clauses in NFL contracts? So I guess the question is, you know, for, for Perry and Winfrey, um, he, he had a certain amount of bonus money, guaranteed money when he signed. But uh, I would assume that, you know, we, we're not privy to his contract, what's in his contract, but that he loses, you know, whatever money was going to come to him moving forward because of... Uh, code of conduct clauses, but there's no way that we really know that for sure. Right, Fred? Yeah, that's more of a Jack Duffin question. I was trying to take a a look and see contract-wise, you know, obviously guarantees and so forth would be the big one. Um, Can't find it right now, but as far as usually on the wave, if another team claims him, they assume the contract is my understanding. And, um, you know, if, if um, you know, he's already removed from the over the caps list. So I don't know what his contract was. Actually, I do. If you look in the defensive tackle, um, my story on that, it would have what his contract was. But I think that's if he makes the team. Most of them, there's nothing guaranteed other than mm-hmm. like the original signing bonus and stuff and it's spread out. So right. 
Yeah, I, I, I just think it's kind of like what happens at the end of training camp when you cut guys. They're not on your team anymore. You know, you don't mm-hmm. pay them other than the guaranteed money. And he's only in the second year of his rookie deal. He's a fourth-round pick. I'm sure there's really no guaranteed money, you know, other than what he got up front. Yeah, so uh, he has uh, lost himself a bit of money. Hopefully that lesson changes his behavior long term and he can bounce back. Uh, hopefully not on another AFC North team, but uh, hopefully the young man gets his life straightened out uh, and uh, learns some valuable lessons uh, through all of this. But it does leave the Browns down one defensive tackle. I guess my, my follow-up question is, you know, if you're the Browns at this point, you're a couple of days away from heading down to uh, West Virginia uh, to uh, start uh, training camp with the veterans. Uh, do you start to look anew at the veteran defensive tackle market, or do you go down there and take a look at Maurice Hurst and, um, you know, sort of see what you got before you go out there and look at Matt Ioannidis or some of the other available defensive tackles? Well, they in the offseason, they've had a look at these guys, and it really comes down to what do they think of Maurice Hurst and Tristan Hill. You signed them, but they're – but their salaries were not big. They were kind of prove it deals. So I don't know what they were thinking with Perry and Winfrey. How how big of um, important did they had him in their plans? Did they really mm-hmm. think he was going to be a starter? You know, you have Jordan Elliott, who right now looks like they that's who they've been lining up as the starter opposite Dalvin Thomason. It, it really I. You know, I can't say enough of it. I really think it comes down to Jim Schwartz. The defense is his domain, and I cannot believe he's just sitting there, an inactive, uh, compa- you know, being a, a passive observer. He has to have already made some formulations that I can play. I can go with a guy like Hurst. I can go with a guy like Hill, um, Elliot, uh, Togi. I don't know, you know, but mm-hmm. – if they if this would prompt them to go get an Ionditis or somebody, this would be a win-win, I think. But mm-hmm. I don't know how close where they felt. I think they were going to camp feeling, let's see what we have. And they probably talked to the guys they're interested in. And the guys they're interested in, you know, might be thinking, you know, I don't really want to go to training camp that much. I know somebody's gonna call me. There's a lot of teams interested. Um, there may be, there may not. I don't know the interest to surrounding mm-hmm. some of these guys. I've heard things about Nadama Kasu and different ones, but I don't think these guys are in any hurry. They they know what they're getting with them. It's just going to be a matter of dollars and cents. And if the Browns really feel like the panic button is ready to be pushed, which I don't think it is, they would go out and make a move. But I really think that you know, they have a list. If I know about guys that are available, they certainly do. And right. they also know the price tags. They also know all the particulars. So I, we'll see how, you know, if they sign a guy you never heard of at defensive tackle to fill the roster spot, then you'll say, you know, they're not that, you know, they're not that worried about it. If they say, okay, we were close to going and getting a veteran. Let's go do it now. <clears throat> it really comes down to, beside what the player wants, it comes down to what did they think of Perry and Winfrey. Right, right. Eco has supply, supplied uh, the particulars on uh, Perry and Winfrey's contract. Uh, he got uh, an $800,000 signing bonus. Uh, and uh, has a annual average salary of a million bucks. So he is out on that annual average salary, uh, which I assume goes up each of those four years. So the bulk of it uh, is gone. But uh, that signing bonus, which I assume is spread out over a number of years. So, whoo, I think he has probably lost himself uh, a non-trivial amount of money that, uh, boy, I tell you, you know, give uh, give the OBR a contract like that. We could do a lot of good, but uh, well, the thing is, is which what's so unfortunate? These guys are twenty two, twenty three, and they're just not very smart. They just think that it grows on trees, you know. Mm-hmm. Whatever they've done, 
you know, even in college, maybe even back to high school, they get away with stuff and they're never held accountable because they're good at football. And it just kind of, you know, we can see this player after player, you know, we can give story after story. And, uh, but you get the NFL, you're maybe not a superstar anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's still big money, as you said, you know, that, that should have set him up for life. And now, you know, he's, he'll probably catch on. He'll get another chance because of the op- opportunities that seem to exist, you know, for pro athletes. But as far as it is unfortunate, you know, all she had to do, he should have had a wake up call when he hurt, you know, when he had the Texas court dismissed it, you know, it's like, that had to be a, a huge sigh of relief. And then you get right back into it. 3.30 in the morning, you're out, you know, and sure you were a victim, but what are you doing yeah. out then anyway? And then this comes up. So, yeah, it's he unfortunately brings it on himself. A lot of them do that, and they just don't seem to learn, you know, from that. Yeah. Uh, Paul made the comment that I guess accountability only appears when a gun shows up. Well, you know, uh, one of the things uh, I think, just to clarify, you know, something is that uh, I think Winfrey is now on record saying that he didn't have a gun or there was no gun involved or whatever. And I figure I might as well drop that in. I think he spoke to the Fox 8 I-team and told them that. So if the I-team says it, you know, it's Well, I didn't see it. I just thought I read in the police report or maybe it was just the accuser. Yeah. Said he flashed a gun. Flashed a gun or something. I don't know. He said, she said, not the Cleveland Browns problem anymore. You know, Perry and Winfrey is no longer on the team. Uh, they now have to take another look at defensive tackle, decide if they need to do anything there. And that's where the OBR gets involved. So that's what we'll be looking at. Uh, and uh, uh, they will take a look down in West Virginia. So Tysox want to know wants to know if you're packed for West Virginia yet, Fred. You're taking off here in a first practice is what on Saturday, I believe. Down Saturday there? at three forty-five. So I am not packed. I did get a suitcase out. <laughs> My right. wife helped me locate it, and I have it sitting there, but. I have not put things together. That's not one of my fortes, and I'm so busy at work, you know, trying to write stories and be on shows that I just haven't had time to squeeze it in. First practice is Saturday at 3.45, and uh, Kevin Stefanski is scheduled to talk after that Mm -hmm. um, because I'm trying to save the OBR money. I'm not going like most of my colleagues, they're going Friday night and getting set up down there. I'm going to make the trip in one day and try to get checked in and get to the practice um, all in one shot and get my reports out. So, yeah, it'll start well, fast and furious this weekend, Saturday, and then Sunday morning they have a practice and availability, and uh, and then Monday. Every day the schedule is pretty much, I think, a 10 30 practice every day with the players and coaches after that except wednesday's an off day yeah ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yeah, it's and by the way, next Wednesday we will, you know, we're back to OBR weekly, truly weekly. Now that we're back into training camp, we will be back here and assuming that West Virginia has the internet, which I think they do, uh, Fred will be here once again to answer your questions straight from Greenbrier, West Virginia. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's what separates us, you know, that sort of financial performance and uh, uh, accountability, shall we say, is what separates us from the rest of the herd, Fred. We take every subscriber dollar and we stretch it as far as it can possibly go. That's why we're so efficient uh, here at the OBR. <laughs> Some comments in the chat room on that subject. I am not going to put them on the screen. Uh, at any rate, <laughs> uh, so uh, one question that we had actually in Ask the Insiders <laughs> is uh, uh, with regard to the team. Now, is, is the team heading down there like on one big bus or are they flying down there or you know, uh, uh, Stefanski is, wants to build sort of team harmony and team unity and all that stuff. So are they crowding them on a couple of buses and heading down there and singing campfire songs on the way? Or what are they doing? Are they, they, they all head down there individually? Do you know, Fred? Well, they're not going individually. Um, I, I saw some, like, report, like, the training camp was starting, like, rookies are reporting today, and they were going mm -hmm. down there. That that's not right. They're they're in Berea. They're all right. going to Berea. The the rookies and quarterbacks today, and then the veterans, and then whatever they're doing to get there. We haven't been given an itinerary. I was told, or I heard they were flying, but I don't know where you're flying to, because this town is out like three thousand people out in the middle of nowhere, White right. Sulphur Springs. Um, it was a Cold War bunker, you know, for the, when if they were invaded in Washington, D.C., and the politicians were sent to the bunkers um, back during the Cold War, I believe. Maybe they should just try that again now and send them all down there. But all that being said, I don't know. I think they're flying. They may be even flying to the nearest city and then taking buses from there or whatever. I'm not quite sure, but I'm not flying. I am driving the the OBR mobile that I have that right. you lease that you lease for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, nothing but the best. Nothing but the best. Uh, this for is a... this is what I get right here. <laughs> My OBR shirt. I got a hat and uh, I and fine Hawaiian shirts. Well, I have a I have a. Salary cap. You got a salary cap. Yes, yeah, so we, we, we got those on discount. All right. <laughs> Very good. Uh, again, uh, looking for your questions and comments. Uh, we are actually, uh, we're, we're out of questions. We're out of questions. So if you've got questions for Fred, you want to talk about this training camp, you got questions about the team, we are wide open right now. So, you know, without uh, your... Uh, yeah, uh, your 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 questions and stuff like that. You have to listen to what I want to talk about, which is pretty horrible. Uh, about what so, I want to talk about. Well, whatever you want to talk about, Fred. I mean, you you go right you yeah, go I right ahead. I could just talk. You know, <laughs> you don't need you know, me. We'll take questions they come in, but you know, I, I have a training camp primer coming up Friday. It'll be on the OBR, but. I think we're going to have a live update every day. I don't know if you're going to talk about that. I'm going to have stories, videos during practice. You got, you got to understand how exclusive this is. Now, I, I only know that the Browns were providing accommodations or at least booking blocks of rooms of not more than 20. I can, cannot imagine more than 10 to 15 
you know, being there the entire week. Um, and we're one of them, the credentials. So this isn't open practices at all. This is just the 10 to 15 of us watching, you know, and then meeting with the coaches. There might be some TV and radio there for some of the time, but I can't imagine they're going to be there the whole time. So right. I'm going to have videos as much as we're allowed to video during practice. And usually in training camp, it's everything but the 11 on 11s and team stuff and video clips. So, so get right on my Twitter feed and they're going to put it on this live feed on the OBR live wire. And uh, you'll be able to, to be right up to date with it. And, and then I'm going to have a story with notes and, and a video recap every day. So, you know, you can stay right on top of this. The reason we're making the commitment to do this, because the first eight, nine days of training camp are really going to set the tone. You know, when they come back here, they start right in Hall of Fame game. There's only eight practices open to the public here in Berea. And so this is really a chance. You really, you know, if you want to know what's going on from day one, as I know a lot of you do, you know, that's we're going to cover that you know, really hot and heavy from down there. Hopefully, like I said, that we do have internet and we do have, you know, good service and everything. I know Stefanski was hoping there is no cell phone service down there for his <laughs> players, but we're going to do that. And then with training camp, you know, I'll just talk a little bit about some of the, some of the keys. I think obviously it starts and ends with Deshaun Watson. We saw him in the offseason look really good in practices, and there's no reason I think that he won't just continue to progress. And obviously, he has to do it when the season, when it starts. But I've said this on here. I think that um, there's no reason that he is not going to return to the level of play that he did, you know, back in 2018, 2019, 2020. The biggest thing. I think last year, besides the rust, was the lack of confidence and a lot of the things, you know, bearing down on his shoulders, still a lot of uncertainty. And he admitted that. He said that he has his confidence back. And any of you that have played sports, I mean, that's it. I mean, when you're confident and you have a little bit of a your swag back, you know, that's when you play the best. So I'm looking for him, you know, to to pick up and play well. But if he doesn't, then, you know, the Browns, even if they have a slow start because of that, I think the other factor is the Jim Schwartz defense. I've said it on this show and I've written it. I think he was probably the biggest addition of all the moves they made in the offseason. In addition, even though they've they've added some really good players, Zadarius Smith uh, among them. But Jim Schwartz, I think, will bring a new attitude, and I think this defense will be a lot better than it was in the past few years. And last year, the defense gave up 22, 23 points a game, and that's playing well the last seven games. But the season was over pretty much by then. If Schwartz can just get that defense to trim a couple, three points a game th- – from even last year's offense, they would have won three or four more games last year and they would have made the playoffs. I think this offense will score more than 21 a game. That's what they scored the entire last year. So those are the two big storylines. I got a lot of other ones, but we'll kind of catch up, take our breaths, see if you have any questions you've come in. But then I have other areas that we should be looking at as training camp opens. Absolutely, absolutely. We did get a couple of questions in. We'll uh, we'll jump on those right away. I do want to jump on uh, one thing you mentioned, which is the new Livewire feature at the OBR. What this is is sort of a companion to the Newswire. Each morning I get up and I sort of go through all the news stories of the previous day and all that sort of stuff and link all the articles and important tweets and all that that happened the previous day. What we're going to start doing is... Uh, as the day goes on, <clears throat> we are going to throw everything into an article we call the Live Wire. And what that is going ha- to do during training camp is we're going to be watching Fred's Twitter feed, uh, news articles, just anything that happens, and throwing it into this Live Wire that gets updated during the day. So if you take a look at today's edition of the Live Wire, it's called 
Cleveland Browns Live Update 719, you'll see that we updated it, I don't know, 15, 20 times with news during the day. So the idea is you hit the OBR any time of the day, and you'll find the latest, greatest news buried somewhere in this live wire. And uh, when training camp hints, we want to curate by hand the best, most important videos uh, and tweets and whatever coming out of camp. If it happens in camp, you're going to find it on the live wire. No need to search around and go to all the 15 different social media sites that are out there these days. We're doing the work for you in concert with guys in the water cooler who are also working with us to help find anything out there that's of relevance to Browns fans in a thread called the Livewire thread. So cool stuff. Uh, hope you check it out and uh, hope you dig it. Um, first question we got is from uh, Ty Sox. And uh, Ty Sox wants to know if there's any news on the wide receiver tryout today. Uh, there were certainly no transactions. This was reported first thing we put in the live wire today. Uh, I believe his name is Zachor Pearson. Uh, he was from Old Miss. He was a standout in the XFL. Caught 60 passes for 670 yards, something like that, in the XFL. Uh, Fred, you know, apparently a talented receiver. Some of the one of the video clips we put in the live wire really showed him, you know, his ability at least against XFL-level talent. Um, the Browns have a pretty full wide receiver room at this point. You know, at this point, they're cutting, you know, a pretty well-qualified player, you know, if, if they keep the usual number of wide receivers. Um, why would they be looking at a guy like this at this point in time, spending their time looking at another wide receiver? Well... At this time of the year, when you can have 90 on the roster, they're always looking at guys. I mean, even during the season, they're bringing in every off day, like every Tuesday, they're bringing in five, six guys for tryouts. They always have a list, emergency list, and with the expanded practice squad, you're always looking to upgrade. You, they rank and they evaluate where somebody is. And if they evaluate somebody is one notch higher than the guy they have, whether it be on the practice squad or whatever, they drop this guy and add this guy. Mm -hmm. As long as it fits their budget, you know, and usually a guy like this is kind of on the low end of the, of the financial side. And who knows, you know, what they would do. They're always evaluating guys. And like you said, the wide receiver room, I think part of the reason they didn't go after DeAndre Hopkins, obviously he wanted more money than they were willing to pay, but was that they felt like just what you said. The roster is pretty much, in my opinion, the roster set at wide receiver right now. But that's before pulled hamstrings, injuries, anything that's going to happen here during training camp. I don't know how you can have more than six wide receivers and you brought in Marquise Goodwin, Elijah Moore, and you drafted Cedric Tillman. That's to go with Deon or uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, Amari Cooper. And I can't imagine him moving on from David Bell already in his second year. That's six right there. Right. Barring the, any of them getting injured or anything. Most teams keep five or six at the most. That doesn't count a return specialist. I think they really want a return guy and they don't want to have to do what they did last year where, where it's a committee. Oh, we got Jerome Ford, you're running back kicks and people's Jones, you're running back punts. I think they want a specialist, but there might not even be room for a specialist on this team. You know, as a wide receiver, he'd be the seventh wide receiver, whether it's Grant or Darden. So what I've been proposing on the practice squad, if you remember in recent years, they've been able to keep since COVID veterans, not just rookies or first, mm -hmm. second year guys. Last year, they signed Chester Rogers to be their returner. And he was on the practice squad and every game they brought him up just for the game. I can see him doing that with Jalen Darden or um, Jakeem Grant, whoever they decide on you know, the return guy. So I don't know, but when you, when you're talking about wide receivers, there's some other guys on the roster 
that have been around here, Dalen Baldwin, Anthony Schwartz, probably at the top of the list, that are probably not going to make the team um, because of the amount of resources they've committed to wide receiver. So to answer the question, the reason they tried the guy out, they want to see what he looks like. And if they say this guy is better than the top five guys we got, they would they would sign him. But you're going to just follow this. If if they sign him, it'll leak out. His agent will say something, or the Browns will announce it. But I think they're always doing these things. If you remember, last year was the USFL Defensive Player of the Year it was like Chris Odom or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He tried out, and you remember a couple <clears throat> weeks later, he was signed and brought to camp I think when somebody got injured well then he right. got injured and he spent the year on injured reserve so <clears throat> in training camp I hate to say it you just don't know the names yet but they're going to be guys on the side with pulled hamstrings and different injuries and as those start to add up then these guys become valuable they bring them in to fill if nothing else to be able to run reps during practice. If you got five wide receivers on the side, you know, with injuries, they can't run plays. So you right. always have to have emergencies. Exactly. And and Steve on YouTube, you know, has a follow-up question about uh, Mems from uh, the Jets, who is apparently on the trading block. You know, he may get released, but they're looking to get some value from, you know, out of him. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Browns are sitting there with Anthony Schwartz, maybe in change of scenery for both guys would help. You know, who knows, right? But again, um, Schwartz doesn't look like he's going to make the roster at this point, and Mims would have a hard time making the roster. But if there are injuries, who knows, right? You know, it, 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 it might make sense to at least take a look and try and understand if he might have a role to play if somebody gets hurt, you know? So uh, I, I, I think Mims would be of interest within that context, but I don't see him coming in here and necessarily displacing any of the top uh, six you know, players who are uh, currently on the depth chart. Um, well, I, I think he's been in that situation. He was kind of in the conversation with Elijah Moore. Obviously mm-hmm. the Browns liked Elijah Moore better, and they, they gave up a second-round pick to get him. Um, I think Mims, if he's, you know, going to be released before training camp, tells you that he would have been available back then, and the Browns preferred Elijah Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know pretty much that Schwartz is just coming in, <clears throat> and you're probably going to cut him, I'd have to say, barring injury, I don't know how Schwartz makes the team. You brought him in for what? One reason: speed, right? So what did you do? Go out and get two world-class speed guys. So if if you replace the speed guy with two speed guys, then I don't think that they value him high. I thought maybe they would trade him or even release him before training camp. But maybe this would be, I think Jack Duffin suggested, why not trade a guy you're going to cut, Schwartz, for a guy that they're going to cut, you know, even mm-hmm. up different scenery either way right both teams are able to save face a little bit you got something for them it just depends on what they think they might not be interested in Denzel Mims I don't know but you know as far as how that all works I it, it changes everything once you get down there and guys start like I said it's a fact of the NFL guys start getting injured when training camp starts, you can keep them in bubble wrap all off season. And then you just start seeing the soft tissue, you know, and pulled hamstrings. And, you know, it happened last year in training camp to David Bell and he never really recovered, you know, those, right. um, Michael Woods, you know, he was having a good camp and he pulled a hamstring and he never recovered. And then he tore his Achilles in the off season. So he's out this year. So, you just that's the factor you don't know that's why you have 14 wide receivers on the roster it just comes down to who you think do you think mims 
is ahead or better than Schwartz or some of the guys you have. Right. Simple as that. All right. Uh, next question from Serge MDC says, are there any starting position battles? Not sure I can think of any off the top of my head. Got to be a first for the Browns since returning. So, uh, boy, the, the starting 22, uh, any, any starting position battles you can think of in there or on special teams, Fred? Yeah, um, the Browns might not agree with me. I, I think like 10 of the 11 defensive positions are, are set, but they ran Jordan Elliott out there, you know, as a starter opposite Dalvin Tomlinson. I thought maybe Winfrey when he was here or one of the new guys would push him or even the rookie Ika. Um, but <clears throat> I think there's a battle there that one of them guys could emerge and, and unseat him. Or they could bring in a guy that's not on the roster now, like we mentioned, that could be the starter. Other than that, I would say return. I mentioned Jakeem Grant, Jalen Darden. They brought in Darden late, claimed him on waivers. He's a specialist. He's a kick return, punt return specialist. Didn't really get to do but more in a game or two. Jakeem Grant, that was a three-time pro bowler, but he's, I think he's 30 now, and he ruptured his Achilles. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. when you're a kind of a really quick tit, quick twitch, jitterbug type of a runner, similar like a Tyreek Hill, I don't know if he's got that all back. He was back at practice, but I don't I don't know how to gauge that. I never really saw him return kicks and punts last year because he got hurt early. So the Browns brought him back, but they reduced his salary. I would have to think, all things being equal, if they're going to keep a specialist, that they would keep the 23-year-old Darden over the 30, 31-year-old Grant coming off major injury, unless Grant just shows he is he is there. You know, I know they had bigger role for, remember JoJo Natson, he was going to be mm -hmm. the returner, got hurt too, but right. he was also going to be in the offense, like a, a jet sweep guy and right. in motion guy. He got hurt. They were going to do that with Grant last year, and he got hurt. They ended up this year going out and getting Elijah Moore. I think Elijah Moore is going to be in that role because Schwartz was the guy that was supposed to do that kind of stuff, and he either was hurt or never really, you know, did much with it. So can they keep a pure specialist? Well, yeah, if, if Grant's his pro bowl form, yes. But if he's not or lost just a little bit, I can't imagine keeping him at $1.8 million over a 23-year-old guy like Darden or maybe somebody else that's on the roster now that we don't even know about. Right, right. Yeah, uh, I, I, that's a fantastic point, really. I mean, you only keep Jakeem Grant if you think he's going to make you a measurable, better team with a better opportunity for the playoffs. Otherwise, you've got a younger, cheaper player available in uh, Jalen Darden. It'll be very interesting to watch that sort of break down over uh, uh, during uh, training camp in preseason. Um, and by the way, uh, Ty Sox has said he'll be interested to hear your perception of the intensity of practices on defense and special teams in particular. And chat username also wants you to report on Cade next week. So just a couple of heads up from the chat room. A lot of interest in special teams. Uh, when they practice down there. But uh, also coming from chat, username has a question about the new uniform and helmet. He wants to know if it's a great look or the greatest look. What do you think about going back to uh, those great Paul Brown teams and uh, that look, Fred? Um, I know we're, we're not fashion critics here on the uh, OBR Weekly, but uh, uh, any thoughts about that? I thought what I saw looked pretty good. I mean, but it's hard for me. It's a stretch to compare it to the 1946. You know, the last I saw, you know, those guys' mugs were looking you in the face. I didn't see a face mask <laughs> on them. They right. didn't quite look as snazzy as these do. So to me, it's kind of a stretch. Yeah, they, they, they're white helmets, but, I mean, these have stripes. They're all dressed up. I think they look sharp, but I don't know if they're really a 
throwback or, or look like they did when in Paul Brown's era. Right. Um, I, I, I say this all, all the time. I've said it to people, you know, Brown's, especially since the team returned in 99, they've had marketing specialists. They've had all kinds of people with marketing, you know, oh, we can do this and that. If you just win, that's the only marketing you need to do. Right. I think you look at those old Jim Brown, they looked, you know, very nondescript, but everybody pretty much is the Browns fans today all goes back to that original time period when they weren't the snazziest looking, but they won. And that's yeah. all the Browns fans want. If this team, you know, goes 13 and 4, 12 and 5, goes to the playoffs, maybe even AFC Championship or forbid go to the Super Bowl. I don't care if they're wearing underwear, you know, <laughs> everybody will be going crazy because right. of the team, not because of what they look like. Yeah. Well, I've given the marketing guys a hard time uh, over the course of the last couple of years. You know, the over reliance on the dogs concept, which I think is dead and buried. Uh, I gave him a hard time about the, the whole dude wipes marketing. I got an email about it uh, just a couple of uh, hours ago from a fan who is very upset about it and just thinks it, you know, plays into sort of degrading the brand, um, the, the team's brand. And, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. If this team wins, you know, the fans, the team itself will market itself. It doesn't need clever videos or anything like that. All that being said, I love the White Helmets. I love hearkening back to the Paul Brown years. Let's leap over the 80s. Let's go back to those, you know, dominant teams. This sort of echoes that a little bit. I dig it. I really like it. I'm not a uniform guy. I couldn't care less about that sort of stuff in most cases, but I really like this look, and um, I'm, I'm happy that they did what they did. Uh, a couple of questions. We, we talked about this a little earlier. Richard uh, wants to know if they're looking for a uh, Perian replacement. And Surge MDC uh, talks about guesses about who we're going to bring in to replace Perian. We've talked about this on the show before. Matt Ioannidis is a name that keeps coming up. Uh, Indomitian Sue is a guy that we talked about uh, repeatedly. And like you said, Fred, these are guys who don't necessarily need to go through three, four weeks of training camp before they sign a contract. They, they can come in and, and play straight away. Uh, do you think the Browns really care about that, that they're going to look for somebody who wants to come in and play during training camp right away? Or do uh, you think they're going to be patient when it comes to uh, you know signing a veteran to come in? Well, like I said, I think they, you know, the average fan out there, I mean, I know – gets pretty passionate and has their list like we all think guys you know be better than what they have and they're aware of that and they have guys that they like but there's always a price tag and there's an interest level when a guy's a free agent you know they might have talked to him and they said yeah i want to come to cleveland but i i want this amount of money or i'm not coming um when you're a free agent you have that option some of these guys are free agents by choice I can almost guarantee you, Nadamika Sue is sitting there saying, you know, I'm not going to training camp. I know what I can do. I know that 10 teams are going to call me sometime again, like they did last year, that are getting ready to make a playoff run. Why wouldn't you just want to make a playoff run and get your money in six, eight weeks as opposed to in 20 weeks? Uh, they're not all at that you know, able to command that. But I think that they want to see what they have. They signed some of these guys for a reason. So that's what we don't know. We don't know if they really are much higher on some of the guys than we are. They drafted Siaki Ika in the third round. They might mm -hmm. really be all over that guy thinking he is what we've been looking for. And we don't want to stagnate him by putting a 32 year old veteran in front of him or maybe they say he could learn from that guy we're going to bring in that veteran i don't know we'll see once practice starts but they have a list and i think they're going to you know go through the process i don't 
see him jumping on a guy right now unless a guy says, look, I want to come to Cleveland. This is what I'll do. And it meets the price they're willing to give him. I remember Malcolm Smith turned out to be like the second. He might have been the leading tackler, the second leading tackler. But they didn't sign him till middle of training camp. I think it was the year, one of the first years that Jacob Phillips got hurt. You know, and then they brought him in. He missed the whole off season. Signed in the middle of training camp, second leading tackler on the team. You know, team leader. There's guys like that out there, and and I think that that's really the way it would go. I'd be surprised if they'd go out and make a big name signing at this point, right now. Uh, question from E. Gillen. Uh, when we're taking a look at the roster, he wants to know uh, if the Browns don't have a need for better linebacker depth uh, at this point, especially with all those injuries, Fred. Don't you think they should be looking out there for a Malcolm Smith-like guy? Well, it's it's one of the questions you know I'm going to talk about in my story Friday is that, yeah, you, you have five linebackers on the roster coming back from last year that all finished the year on injury reserve led by Anthony Walker and Sion Takitaki, both had major injuries. Walker and Takitaki did not practice at all during the offseason. The most recent time on the field, the mini camp in June, June 6th to 8th, um, both of them were there on the sidelines, but neither practiced. So I have no idea if on Saturday, if Walker will start practicing I don't think Taki Taki would be ready because he tore his ACL late, right. you know, at the end of the season. But one of them or both of them could start on, on the pup list. And that's who you're counting on. I think you're counting on Walker to be your captain on defense and leader. And the Browns signed him to a one-year deal, and they didn't really bring in any other linebackers. So it tells me they were confident enough that he was going to be ready to go. I don't know when he's going to be ready to go. Maybe he'll start practicing Saturday and maybe he'll be the, you know, every other day or, or, or they'll bring him in slowly or what, or he, or if he'll start on the pup list. But um, I would think they might need some depth, but they didn't, the only free agent they signed, um, was Matthew Adams, and he's known more as a special teams guy. Right. <clears throat> I think he's a core special teams guy, had a history with Bubba Ventrone. And they signed Mohamed Diabete. He's well-regarded. He was an undrafted rookie free agent from Utah, but and he was given some guaranteed, but they didn't draft him. So they didn't really value. If you read my report on the linebackers. I just don't think this organization values linebackers that highly. The highest paid guy they have right now is JOK. Mm-hmm. And he's on his rookie contract. And I think this year it's something like 1.7 million. He's making more money than Anthony Walker and Sion Taki Taki, you know, and everybody else. <clears throat> I think ultimately, like Joe Woods, is that Schwartz will play three safeties or three cornerbacks, five defensive backs a lot, like four up front, maybe even five up front. And a lot of times there'll only be two linebackers out there. In the base set, I think, you know, the starters last year were Anthony Walker, Sion Taki Taki, and JOK. So in a in a sure rundown, maybe first down, maybe Maybe Taki Taki would be out there when he's healthy, but I see a lot of it. Maybe just a couple linebackers. I just don't see them valuing, at least from my perspective, as much as um, maybe the fans do. Look in the look at the payroll. That kind of you follow the money, kind of tells you what they value. Yeah, exactly. And last year they didn't value defensive tackle, and they paid for that. Hopefully they don't pay for uh, lack of interest in linebacker this year. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, Steve Norris has a question. He wants to know your thoughts on Clay Matthews to the Hall of Fame. I'll add to that and ask what you think about uh, Marty Schottenheimer, who is also a candidate uh, for the Hall of Fame as well. 
Uh, you think uh, either of them have a have a shot? And uh, if you had a vote, uh, uh, how would you uh, consider consider their candidacies? Well, I think with Clay Matthews, just the pure longevity. I don't. You play linebacker in the NFL for twenty or more years. He had great numbers, you know, with the Browns in his career. You know, it's one of those things that I I just don't get. It's so subjective. You know, if you're gonna if you're good enough to make the Hall of Fame, it seemed like you should have made it. You know, when he was, you know, after his five years or whatever. I I just don't get the, you know, how you're not good enough then, but you're good enough now type of a thing. I think he should have made mm -hmm. it. Maybe, you know, right when he was still in the you know, still in the deal. I know Gene Hickerson was one of those guys, you know, that didn't get it till the old timers. I guess it's for people that fall through the cracks, but it sure seemed like he, when I, you know, and I guess when you're biased following somebody in Cleveland compared to, you see some names from other teams that make the hall of fame and you're like, that guy, I never, I don't hardly remember him doing much. Right. You know, right. but we weren't following him like a, like we were with Browns guys. Artie Schottenheimer, I think what hurts him is, you know, no, you know, Super Bowls or things like that. I mean, he had great records in the regular season, but um, yeah, I would, I would say Clay Matthews. Uh, I like Marty a lot, but I don't think, you know, Hall of Fame would, would be for him. You think if Ernest Beiner didn't fumble at football, Marty Schottenheimer would have a shot at the Hall of Fame just for appearing in the Super Bowl? I don't know. I don't think what everybody forgets is that was just to tie the game. That didn't mean they mm -hmm. were going to win the game more for the 98 yard drive. John Elway put on them, you know, right. when you're a defensive genius like Marty was, that doesn't look good if you're going to, no. so how uh, about stopping them, you ooh. know, maybe, maybe that would do more for it and you would have made it the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a generational thing, you know, Guys of my age, uh, just remembering that it's it, it is painful. Hey, uh, I am going to uh, get out of that particular nightmare uh, by thanking OG Philly for the five gift subscriptions he just dialed up for our folks. Way to be OG, uh, Philly's the man, uh, and he uh, he helps us on the uh, uh, live wire uh, uh, cooler thread as well. A uh, lot of comments in the uh, chat room about the uh, dude wipes. Uh, and uh, I am not going to put those on screen because this is a classy program. And uh, we are not going to, uh, uh, we, we, we're not going to discuss dude wipes. You know, there, there's baby wipes repackaged for guys who don't want to admit that they're using baby wipes. That's all they are. I had never heard of them before earlier in this week. So the marketing as goofy as it is, must work because I now heard of dude wipes and I'm talking about dude wipes on the air. So whoever it is, you know, whatever they are, they're, they're getting their money's worth at any rate. So that, uh, that does it for the questions that we have. So I think we're going to wrap a couple of minutes early here uh, unless uh, there's one more thing that I got to talk to you about, and that is the Fantasy Football Expo. I got to remind you about the Fantasy Football Expo. Join the OBR and the nation's foremost fantasy football experts at the Fantasy Football Expo 2023 in Canton from August 11th to the 13th, which you will know is the weekend following Joe Thomas's induction into the Hall of Fame. So you can see the whole Joe Thomas display and all that sort of stuff. Um, the OBR gang is planning on going down there and touring the Hall of Fame and all that sort of stuff. Uh, that weekend as part of these festivities. So uh, great opportunity to sort of combine that with the Fantasy Football Expo. It's filled with everything you'd expect when a bunch of fantasy football enthusiasts and fans get together for a weekend. There's going to be parties and fantasy drafts, uh, more parties, a ton of fantasy football information. So if you're deep into fantasy football, this is the place to be. The OBR will be there. We will be in booth 24 on Sunday. Uh, Jake and Brad Ward and I uh, all planning on being there uh, and hanging out. So if you are going to the Fantasy Football Expo and you see us there, feel free to walk up. You can talk football with Jake and Brad, and I can help you reset your password or whatever it is that web dorks do. Uh, and uh, 
uh, we'd love to see you. We'd love to see you there. So that's the Fantasy Football Expo. Get more information and tickets at thefantasyfootballexpo.com. And that is going to do it for OBR Weekly for July 19th. Make sure you join us next weekend. Fred live from Greenbrier in West Virginia, assuming that they have internet. And uh, at the very least, I'll be here uh, where I know I have internet uh, here in the east side of Cleveland, Ohio. So thanks once again for attending. Thanks for all your questions. Thanks, OG, for the five gift subscriptions. All the stuff as usual. For Fred Greetham, I'm Barry McBride. Thanks for hanging out with us again on OBR Weekly. We'll see you next Wednesday. So long. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.